All right, guys, welcome back for another episode of This Week in College Football. It's been about two weeks since our last episode, and the world of college football has changed. We're going to start by talking about Alabama head coach Nick Saban, his departure, legendary coach. Um, Were you shocked by this decision? Yeah, I was absolutely shocked. I did not see that coming. Um, He said it was not health related but the the days were taking a toll on him which I totally understand he's 72 the time was coming but I was shocked I thought he'd be a lifer someone that coached until he couldn't even live anymore yeah I, I'll say that uh I mean I always we always knew like you know the time was coming because he is 72 years old right you're not gonna live forever but um I also thought the same thing. I thought he was going to be like a, a Bill Schneider kind of where he coached until his body physically wouldn't let him coach anymore. And uh, I guess this was just the end for him. But I mean, legendary career, seven national uh, yeah, seven national championships, uh, 11 SEC titles. I mean, this is probably this has to be the greatest coach of all time, right, in, in any football? I would think so. And I see people that were online, and it's they're few and far between, but still that are saying that Nick Saban is not the greatest coach of all time because he was a failure in the NFL, which I think is just the dumbest argument I've ever heard in my life. Look what this guy accomplished at the college level. Maybe he didn't do it in the pros. So what does that make Bill Belichick a terrible coach because he never coached in college. He never reached heights in college. Saban, I think is he's by far the best coach of my lifetime. I don't really think there's anybody better in the history of the sport, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I think his his um his NFL failures are overstated. He was what he did at Alabama, what he did at LSU when he was there. I mean, he has to be one of the greatest coaches. I mean, seventy one losses overall in two hundred ninety two wins is incredible. I mean, he and also there was a time where every time he was at the coach at Alabama, you always felt like even with all the questions on the roster, sometimes you always felt like they were going to be you know one of the top teams at the end of the year. Just trying to find something. Uh, just go. I just want to go through this real quick. Some of the best players he's coached. I mean, you have Bryce Young, Devontae Smith, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, offensive line guys, and then just like there's just NFL Pro Bowlers all over. Like his, he may not have been a great NFL coach, but his handprints are all over the NFL. Absolutely, and like you said, there, Saban's always going to find a way to have his team ready. Even just look at this year's team. Is that not a perfect example? Everybody wrote Bama off. Their obituary was written, and they ended up making the playoff. Yeah, especially this is probably one of his weaker rosters, I'd say. And I'm not going to say he was, like, checked out. I just think this team didn't – this was a rebuild year for them. I think that's why he probably called it quits because it was probably a good time to step away and let someone else take the keys. And think about what you just said there, a rebuild year. And I would agree with that. It was a learning experience for sure. Mm-hmm. But in a rebuilding year, they still went to the playoff. That just shows what kind of coach it is. You're not going to get that with every type of leader. Yeah, that goes back to what I was saying about how I felt like they were never out of it. No matter how many question marks they had around a roster, you always felt like his coaching was going to get them there. Um, so, obviously, the guy they replaced him with, Washington's head coach, Kalen DeBoer. Uh, what are your thoughts on this hire? So, it's not so much the hire or the place. It's the timing. I think Alabama's obviously one of the best coaching jobs in the country, if not the best, right? Yep. The timing of it. 
you're replacing Nick Saban. You're replacing the greatest to ever do it. Like, I don't know why I would not, I wouldn't want to be in that situation. Obviously DeBoer does, and it's a great situation for him to be in. But think about it this way. You're replacing Elvis right now. Even if they, even if you come in and you're Michael Jackson, you're still not Elvis. The first time they lose this season, you're going to have Alabama fans lighting up Paul Feinbaum's phone saying that they made a terrible hire. They should have went after Dabo. They should have went after Lanning. They should have went after Kirby Smart. God forbid they go nine and three this year, which look at that schedule. Nine and three this year is a real possibility. I know people aren't going to like that. Look at their schedule this year. At Wisconsin, at Wisconsin is not going to be an easy game. Then they play Georgia. They play at Tennessee. They play at LSU, at Oklahoma. They're running a gauntlet this year. They got a ton of guys that just transferred out. They're no doubt still loaded with talent. That's, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that. But new coach, probably new systems. I, I don't expect him to just walk in and take Alabama right back to the playoff. There's going to be at least one or two games this year where it's going to be a wake-up call, a welcome to the SEC for DeBoer. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said, this Wisconsin game, probably a sleeper. But then you have a game follow with Georgia, two easy weeks off, then Tennessee and Mizzou and LSU. You have a – they have a bit of a gauntlet next year. So it's going to be, like you said, a big welcome to the SEC for Kaylin DeBoer. Yeah, they get rid of divisions in the SEC. There's no more SEC West gauntlet, and somehow their schedule got even more difficult. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I'll tell you I'll tell you who I feel real bad for in this situation is Vanderbilt. Because that's going to be the week after Georgia. Bama's going to let off some steam that game. Oh, yeah. They're running up the score. Vanderbilt is getting the violence. (laughs) Um, I will say, I do kind of think people are dismissing Kaywin DeBoer as a bit of a bum. I've seen people say, oh, he's not built for the SEC. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, he's coached everywhere, has 12 losses and over 100 wins. I mean, he's a winner. Uh, It's going to be tough to do in the SEC. I get that. But I don't think... I think people dismissing him as he's not going to be a great coach. I think stepping in, he becomes one of the three or four best coaches in the conference already. See, I don't necessarily know if I agree with that. I haven't seen enough from him at this level to be totally confident in him. And that's not a knock on him because when Kirby Smart took over at Georgia, I didn't see any of him as an FBS coach. Mm -hmm. And look what he turned into. So I'm not saying DeBoer is going to be a failure or a bad hire. I'm just saying I'm not totally sold yet. I no doubt he's a great coach. Look what he did with Washington. But how much of that was was Michael Penix's doing as well? Yeah, Ryan Grubb, too, having a great – but he's coming from Alabama, so that's that's good. But you're right, Penix was an incredible player. They had three NFL receivers. Um, luckily, the good thing is when you get to Alabama, you'll also have NFL receivers coming to play for you. Uh, but you won't have Michael Penix. That's going to be the problem. It's going to be a big problem, but we've seen that Alabama has absolutely no problems recruiting. So bringing guys in is not going to be a challenge, I don't think. And I don't. Although I I do have to wonder how many of these guys now are going to go to Georgia. How many of these guys are going to go elsewhere in the SEC? Is this a flip for Auburn? Also, Mm -hmm. how many how many guys are going to see that and say, "All right, Saban's not there. I want to stay in state." Auburn, here we go. Could this also be potentially an uptick for a program like UAB? Not to get too far off there, but if Auburn's going to start taking some Bama guys, some of the guys Auburn wanted, they might not have room for on the roster. How many of these guys go to UAB and say, hey, you know what? You didn't want us. Let me show you why you did want us. Yeah. And, you know, I I think other thing that people – I mean, I like talking about this right now because me and you rarely disagree. We normally see eye to eye on things. 
so you saying that you don't think DeBoer is one of the best coaches, this is this is interesting to me in the SEC. But I think if you take, you know, Wayne Kiffin, um, some other SEC guys, and put them with Washington's roster last year, I'm not sure they make the playoffs. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. I'm just saying I, I haven't seen enough yet. It's not a knock on him or his coaching ability or anything. As for being one of the best coaches in the SEC, I think he has potential. But this is no different than when we rank quarterbacks or we rank whatever. Right now, he's at the very bottom of the list because he's never coached an SEC game. Yeah, that, that's fair because it, it is a different animal as much as – but also if you were to say Washington went to the Big Ten, which would have been a different animal. So I guess you just had to pick one of the two poisons. Um, exactly. It's like with, with Arch Manning. Everybody was talking when he came to Texas, is he already a top-five quarterback in the Big 12? No. There's 12 quarterbacks at least in the Big 12 that are better than him, and I know that because he's never played a college snap. Does he have talent to be top five? Absolutely. But is he right now? We've never seen it. So how do we know? Yeah, that's if, you, a, if you want, that's if you want to go potential, if you want to go potential, DeBoer might be maybe the best, second best coach in mm-hmm. the conference right now. But I, I got to see some results first. Yeah. Um. All right. So we'll move on to our our next topic, which uh, we can go in two directions here. We can talk a little bit recruiting. We have some questions from followers, or we can go. To your Buffalo Bills. Uh, or, or the yeah, like, today, you really want to do that today of all days. Uh, we could save that for last. We, we can right, gather yeah, your let's... thoughts. Uh, we, we could touch on the national championship quick. I mean, it's, it's a little bit of old news by now, but maybe we'll give it a good five minutes here. Um, me being the Big Ten homer that I am, I was ecstatic. I'm glad Michigan won. I'm, I don't know if Jim Harbaugh is going to leave. I hope he doesn't because it's good for the Big Ten if he stays. Um yeah, I was just happy to see a Big Ten team win. I think Harbaugh goes, and I think he sees the writing on the wall between the cheating allegations that have been proven true from last year. You got to think there's going to be some sort of Big Ten retaliation against him. Plus, look at what Ohio State's been doing on the recruiting trail and with the transfer portal. They're loading back up also. Oh, yeah. I mean, they are dishing out money. Oh, sorry. Did I say that out loud? No. They they are recruiting really well right now. Ryan Day is recruiting with a vengeance, almost like a chip on his shoulder, where he's like aligning all his cards to to go for it in a year where Michigan may may not have Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, but can Ryan Franklin or James Day, I'm sorry, Ryan Day, you know, can he do anything with that talent to get them past that Michigan home? Yeah, I, I don't know. I heard that uh, a report said that Ryan Day was saw on third base the other day. He was just still standing there. Um, <laughs> has not moved an inch. Yeah, has not moved. Not he, ready he, to steal yet. He's just saying. <laughs> <laughs> we got the Boston Red Sox here, Pablo Sandoval out there right now. <laughs> yeah, it's like I said, they're doing pretty well. Um, I do. Oh, there's one thing I actually wanted to talk about uh, real quick, actually, if you don't mind. Um, I, I'll pull it up. Because this is something I think people need to hear. I'm sure you'll agree. Uh, where is it? Just give me one sec here. This was something that I thought was important that people in this world don't get anymore. This right here. Dan Campbell. I know we're not an NFL show, but I love this guy. And I think that people now give up too easily. You know, going 3-13-1, and 13 and one, a lot of people were calling for him to be fired. Look where they are now. 
So anybody that knows me knows that I have been a Lions fan pretty much my entire life, going back even before 0-16. I love this team. Every year on Thanksgiving, the number one thing I would look forward to is going over there, watching the Lions game at noon with my grandparents and my family. And from there, my love for the team just grew. So to see what this team has become and because of Dan Campbell, every time they put on Twitter a video of him talking in the locker room or even at a press conference, I just want to run through a brick wall for this guy so I can only imagine what the guys in that locker room would do for him. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we know it's funny to think about. When, when uh, Jimbo Fisher first got fired, there were people saying Dan Campbell was going to leave the Lions for Texas A&M. That was a ridiculous time. Uh, and did you, did you see Campbell's quote about going to Texas A&M? Yeah, he said, like, I know a lot of people down there, but I'm good. I'm not going to go back. He, he said, I will do anything I possibly can to help Texas A&M except coach. coach there. Yeah, that's what he said. Which is yeah. fantastic. I, I, love, I, I love this guy. He's got such an identity. There's a very specific type of player that he wants that wants to go there. Goff is the perfect guy for his system. That whole team is just, whether they win or lose this weekend, by far my favorite Lions team I've ever seen. I'm just so, I've never been happier to be a Lions fan in my life than this year. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, So I'm going to shove a little propaganda at you here. Uh, You know, if you're a running back, you want to play in the AFC or NFC championship, you got to go to Rutgers. Uh, there's five schools that have at least one player on all four remaining uh, NFL rosters. Uh, six, actually. Alabama, Harvard, Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State, and Rutgers. Just, just for you to think about. Wow. Too bad they can't translate to any of them in the wins. They're, they're coming. They're coming. So now uh, let's talk. I, I We're jumping around a little bit here, but let's talk. Let's Let's talk. Ah. Yeah, that uh that that is certainly a game that happened yesterday as we record. Uh-huh. Yeah, things need to change. I don't want to overreact too much, but things need to change in Buffalo quite a bit. Um so you said Stefan Diggs gone. I I think that's the general consensus now is that he has to go. Replace him with uh Khalil Shakir should be probably wide receiver one. You said Kincaid tight end one. I, I think – do you think a coaching change is in order for your Buffalo Bills? Yes, 100%. And it has nothing to do with strictly yesterday. The fake punt on your own 30 it was dumb. If you're going to do that, it's – you don't do it on fourth and eight. Do it on fourth and two. Why are you giving the ball to DeMar Hamlin? I understand, you know, the story, the comeback, whatever. At some point, Hollywood scripts don't work. That didn't work. It was awful horrendous clock management on a consistent basis from McDermott. <coughs> the, the the 12 guys on the field during a missed field goal, 12 guys on the field didn't even affect the play. He missed the field goal. It wasn't blocked. He missed it. That almost cost the Bills a playoff spot. Blowing that lead against the Eagles almost cost the Bills a playoff spot. It all comes down to horrendous clock management, and McDermott just having it, it. There's times where it looks like he has no clue what he's doing. Like, he's never coached a football game before. I, I yeah. think he's got to go. I think Diggs has to go, which I know sounds crazy. He was a liability. He's just not he the same player he was. He wasn't that great this year. He creates more crap off the field than he's worth. He's dropping passes. That pass yesterday, he should have caught. It went right through his yeah, hand. he should have. He catches the ball. He immediately goes down. He just crumbles. Gabe Davis, another one. Get out of here. Stone hands. I don't care. You had four touchdowns in a playoff game. 
that's great. When it's between the numbers, catch a damn ball. I think Dawson Knox, maybe another one that might have to go. Mm-hmm. I like him. He's he's good, but another one. He's terribly <coughs> inconsistent with p- dropping passes. Shakir is a bona fide number one, and I was torched when I said that when the Bills first drafted him, even last year. And that was one of the first things me and you agreed on was that Shakir is going to be the guy in the NFL at some point. Mm-hmm. And it looks like that's starting to come true. Yeah. They need, to, they need to get younger on defense. I love Hayden Poyer, but how many games are they going to miss? Are we really going to give them another two, three-year contract extension when they're playing six, seven games a year? They're great when they're on the field, but when they're not, then what? The linebacker spot was absolutely decimated. They, I mean, they were one injury away from the popcorn guy playing. <laughs> there's, there's a number of excuses as to why they lost yesterday. But the number one thing as to why they lost is because they're just not good enough. And and as a Bills fan, I'm so tired of saying that. Yeah, they're good, but. Why is there always a but? There's not with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. There's not with the, the, the Niners. There was never with the Patriots. There rarely was with Peyton Manning's Colts. Peyton Manning's Colts just couldn't get past Brady. It was never because they were lacking in a certain department. I will it's say always after the Bills. I think I think today's Buffalo Bills are kind of like the Big Ben Steelers, where they have you know they have a, a diva receiver. I'm not saying Stephon Diggs is Antonio Brown because he's not. I mean, uh, that's a whole different dilemma. But they always had you know it was they had a great season. But can they get past the Patriots? It, it was always that every single season. And it's it's not just can they get past the Chiefs because they can't get past uh, Cincinnati either. What happened last year? If you remember that playoff game, the Bills didn't even show up. They didn't even get off the bus until the second half, and by that point, it was over. Yeah. Um, I, I want to touch on what you said about Diggs because I, I see a lot of people saying they're crazy for wanting to cut him, but you have a good point. I mean, if you look, he's trending downward. This is his least amount of yards since 2020, his least amount of touchdowns since 2020, by far his least amount of first downs since 2019. So he's... He's not moving the chains like he used to. He he had a very down year for his standard. And one of the things they obsessed with this year was this stupid screen pass that never worked. For the NFL fans out there, you watch a team like Detroit, I'll go back to them, run a screen pass, and it's usually successful. Even if it's for only three, four yards, it's usually successful. Every time Buffalo would run it, most of the time it'd be to digs, and either they'd gain a yard or they'd lose a yard, but he'd just crumble before he even gets hit. Mm-hmm. Why? You're supposed yeah. to be a leader on this team. Shakir, I thought yesterday, lost his head. Did you see that hit? Uh, I think I know the one you're talking about. Somehow it ended up being a popped. shoulder. Somehow it ended up being a shoulder, but he got hit. It sounded like an explosion, and then he's just laying on the field. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. And what happens? He goes to the locker room, and 10 minutes later, he's back out there. Uh, oh, is this probably the one you're talking about right here? Uh, with this hit right here? Uh, yes. Uh, I just want to make sure that I want to see what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, I think Shakir is definitely going to be wide receiver number uh, one for the Bills. And I'll tell you, he did get popped well. Um, yeah. I love this quote from him right here. I saw this on Twitter. They asked him about what he's going to do. He said, I'm going to work even harder this offseason. That's a leader. That's what Stefan Diggs should be saying. That, that should be not declining to talk to the media. Go out there and say, I'm going to put the work in and make sure we're better next year. That's what every single player on this team should be doing, regardless of if you're number one on the death chart or 
at the bottom of the practice squad. That's what every single guy on this team should be doing because that's what every single guy on this team needs to do. And that includes Josh Allen. He played great yesterday, but come on. Yeah, I mean, I, that that ball to Diggs at the end of the game, too, that was a beautiful ball. That was 60 yards in the air, perfectly placed. Um, so now we're going to talk about a different bill here, you know, so you could uh, you can come, you can, you know, just not talk about your bills for a second. What do you think of this hire? Um, I, I really don't like it. Like, I think really? that this could, I think that this could be one of the things that contributes to the downfall of Ryan day. Well, I, I'll tell you what, he's definitely in a make it or break it season. So this is certainly a bold decision. I will say that to go get Bill O'Brien. Will it work out? Truthfully, I don't know. His offense in the NFL wasn't that great, but he also wasn't working with the best pieces. Uh, he's proven he can coach in college. He's going to be working probably with Will Howard, who isn't a – like, I'm a Will Howard guy, but this is going to be a very high-pressure year in Columbus, Ohio. Bill O'Brien, to me, is more of a NFL coach than a college coach, and I don't know quite know how to describe it, but I'm sure you know exactly what I mean by that. But you're Ohio State. You could get anybody you want. Why Bill O'Brien? I mean, he did coach good Penn State offenses uh, – and a good Alabama offense, but I think yeah, I don't know. It's I, I, an I get, Alabama I get what offense. I get what you're saying. You you can you could do better than this, is what you're saying. It's kind of like a mad hire. It's an Alabama offense. If you can't do good with that many five stars around you, then you probably shouldn't be in the coaching profession. That, again, that's a fair point. Because as, as for as for Penn State, yeah, they were good, but where who's the quarterback? True. And I'm not, I don't mean like who was playing quarterback at that time. I mean where was the quarterback? Yeah, you're right. Who, who was the who was the last really really good Penn State quarterback? Was it Kerry Collins? Well, it, it depends. If you say college quarterback, I think you'd have to say Trace McSorley was pretty up there, but he was not a good NFL quarterback. But for college, he was pretty solid. Okay, so Trace McSorley and and then after and that then, is a big drop off for a while. You're right. <laughs> that that's part of the problem there, but yeah, not to get too far off topic. But no, I, I don't think Bill O'Brien is the home run hire that Ohio State needed, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, so I said it was a hot take. I kind of like the hire. I think maybe he'll bring some stability. And uh, I'm not really the biggest fan of Ryan Day's offense. So I think any change was good change for them. Uh, but again, this is kind of just a, a, mad, a bland kind of hire. I, I get that. It seemed like a safe hire. Like, you know what you're going to get from him, but there's not like, there's not the upside that you think there should be at this program. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Um, another coach that we should talk about right now. Oh, not 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 this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what this is, but uh, Ken Oatolo, uh, former Navy head coach, taking a new job over at San Jose State. Uh, reportedly not bringing the option, which is very sad. Um, I was kind of hoping you bring the triple option back. Yeah, my I have two immediate thoughts when I heard about this, and they could not be any more different. My right. first thought is Kenny Manalolo is a great coach, right? The Naval Academy is a great program, but overall service academies are very difficult to win at. Not only did he win there, but he won consistently. Yeah, they had some bad years. Yeah, they had some down years. He's a damn good coach there, right? I think we can agree on that. Yeah, of course. So there's no way that this hire is not going to succeed. Right. Uh, I don't know if I say no way, but my I second say... my second thought on this, okay, is 
okay, you have an option coach that wants to run a wide open system, AKA what I'm reading into as an air raid. Yeah. A triple option coach running an air raid offense. What could possibly go wrong here? Uh, I'm yeah, sure I mean, that's going to end well. I wonder if in like his, his few years at UCLA with Chip Kelly, his whole philosophy has just been changed by Chip Kelly in his ear every day where Chip Kelly was like, no, 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 you don't run the ball here. You don't run the ball here. And now, yeah, but you in. know, Chip Kelly is not the offensive mind that he was. He's not the offensive genius that he was. It almost seems like the college game has passed him by. Yeah, well, I think I, I will tell you this. I heard from a very good source, uh, and I, I'm going to use a little profanity here, um, that Chip Kelly does not give a fuck. He, Chip Kelly does <laughs> not care. Uh, I have it on a very good source that he fell asleep at a recruit's house once before he talked to the recruit, while assistant coaches oh, talked boy. to him. And they woke up, and Chip Kelly said, it was nice to meet you, and left. Hmm, that's not good. No, I, and this is about two or three years ago now. But, yeah, I've heard that Chip Kelly simply just does not care. And that's that's disappointing. Yeah, it is disappointing. It's disappointing that UCLA didn't fire him, to be honest. That's, that's disappointing. He should be gone. Yeah, I kind of think so, too. But they need stability while USC is still kind of up there. For now, at least. That's true. Um, that that's a whole other can of worms. Lincoln Riley, that fraud. Um, what do you think of this? Ah, uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I like sigh. Just, I, I don't know. Like, I want to like it. I really want to like it. I'll tell you what. If if this gives you any indication, I think Arizona made an upgrade at head coach. Actually. I see. I'm 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 in the same boat as you. I would think this is a lateral move for Jed Fish. I think Arizona was trending so high, and just leaving in the middle of that. I don't know. It seems like it kind of jumped ship right before they're they're gonna get into I, port. I think it's a downgrade, and let me tell you why. Jed right. Fish just went from the Big Twelve to the Big Ten, so now sure. he he would have had to contend with the likes of Texas Tech, who's gonna be very good, um, Oklahoma State, who's probably still gonna be very good, Kansas State, who's not going anywhere, Kansas, who's getting good. Right, yeah. that would have been his main competition. Uh-huh. Instead, he's going to go to the Big Ten, where he's going to have to still get his ass kicked by USC and Oregon and yeah. Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State, and then go and score three points and lose six to three against Iowa. I think it's a downgrade for him. An I, upgrade I in that. terms, an upgrade in terms of job quality and prestige, but downgrade in terms of everything else. Yeah, you're making life harder on yourself. Is basically what you're saying completely unnecessarily too. And he leaves a team that is in perfect position to make the playoff next year. Arizona, don't be shocked if you're watching Brent Brennan lead Arizona to the playoffs next year because yeah. they win the big 12. And a lot of their players stayed. No one really followed them, which was probably that not speaks his volume. That yeah. speaks volumes. Yep. When yep. you, when you go and nobody follows you, that's not great. Yeah. I, I think maybe one offensive lineman followed them, but still like Katora McMillan, uh, the quarterback they have down there, uh, what was his name? Uh, it's just like, oh, Noah Fifth, I think his name is. He yeah. didn't follow him either. So, like, you know, when your best players aren't aren't really coming with you, that does speak volumes. It does speak volumes. Uh, like I said, though, I think this is a case of someone jumping ship right before they were going to get into port. Yeah. But like I said, I love the hire for Arizona. You you know how high I've been on Brent Brennan. Mm-hmm. I think he's one of the more underrated coaches. It wasn't. What I think it might have been our last episode, 
I was speculating he goes to UCLA once Chip Kelly leaves. Doesn't really look like that's in the cards now, but what what a great and someone that he was mentored by Rick Neuheisel. Don't forget that also. Rick Neuheisel, who knows West Coast football in and out. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, so if you want to wrap up here, we have nine questions to get through from followers. Uh, we can kind of maybe take a minute or two on each one. And then Sounds good. All right. Um, so our first one is who suffers the most when it comes from the transfer portal every year? That's from Neil Villapano. Piano. Uh, I think – I don't know how to answer this specifically, so I'll say generally. I think it is the, the have-nots of college football, and I think that includes the group of five as a whole – as well as power five teams like Vanderbilt, like Duke. Look at uh, Riley Leonard leaving Duke to go to Notre Dame. Look at Sam Hartman leaving Wake Forest to go to Notre Dame. Those are some great players that just up and left because they know, A, they can do it, and B, there's just not a chance to win at the same level at a Duke or a Vanderbilt as there is at a Notre Dame or an Alabama. So I think the players win sometimes, because even if you look at that stat, a lot of guys will end up dropping down in competition, down in air quotes, because it's really not. Mm-hmm. You're just you're you're leaving one division for the other. I don't think it's a downgrade if you get more playing time or you you play more, you know, however you want to phrase it. But I think it's the the have nots, the little guys of college football that are the biggest losers in this. I, I would agree. I would say it's the group of five and the schools that don't really have a uh, like a large alumni. Because we're in the world of NLI now to where, like, you if you pay a kid enough, he'll probably stay. Um, which is it's sad to say. We're basically talking about free agents here. But, um, yeah, like I said, group that's, of fives in smaller schools in general. That's essentially what it's become now is free agency. Look at Judkins leaving Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. I, I can't believe he left Ole Miss. I was by that decision. He was a perfect player for Lane Kiffin, and he just up and left. Yeah, I don't know why he left. A kid can kill it in the portal, by the way. But, I mean, that was just one kind of blunder. But if a kid wants to go somewhere else, there's not really much you can do. Um, our next question here is from Terpsky, a uh, member of the Discord. said, what is the key to winning in the Big Ten? Got to have a good defense and a strong run game. Those are the two things that you absolutely need. And a dependable kicker. I, I would say the same thing. In the Big Ten, I think the biggest thing you need is a strong run game. These are grinded out type of games. It's not the you're not throwing the ball forty times a game in the most of the time. It's gonna be can you grind it out and could you win a six three game against Iowa when your season's on the line? Exactly. You have to play physical. Flash and finesse is not gonna work in the Big Ten. As great yeah. a coach as a guy like Mike Leach was, his system will not work in the Big Ten. And you Big Ten have... fans just won't won't go for it either. If you start losing running that system, you're done in a year. Yeah, and like that's that's not a knock. We we often make fun of the ESPN two Big Ten game where it's Iowa and Minnesota and it's fourteen to ten, but that's the kind of football they love and enjoy. More power to them. I enjoy it too sometimes. I like the points also, but that's what they like. That's what they're going to get, and that's why you have to play physical. You've got to have a good defense. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, like I said, that's probably. I would say maybe I was thinking game changing quarterback. But then I thought about it, and that's definitely not that's not the Big Ten. That is absolutely not, and I can use one program specifically to prove you wrong on that. Michigan. Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Wisconsin. They had they had. Um, oh, I, wow! I just blanked on his name. Is it Jack Cohn? No, he played. He's he's for the Broncos, not Russell Wilson. Wow, that was really oh, bad. Yeah. They had Russell Wilson for one year. Other than that, name one notable Wisconsin quarterback in that time. Yeah, none, you really I... can't. Meanwhile, if you want to look at their running back. 
you got Monty Ball, you got James White, Melvin Gordon, even going back, John Clay, Jonathan well, Taylor. But per- perfect example, you were talking about Penn State before. Not a lot of great quarterbacks. Look at running back, on the other hand, Miles Sanders, Saquon Barkley. You know, they have all pro running backs. Now, the argument against what we just said is who's been the most successful team in the Big Ten over the last 10 years? True. Ohio State. Look what they got. They got third stringers coming in and winning championships. That's true. But so maybe you're maybe you're right that you do need a big time quarterback. But overall, like I think Ohio State's the exception to the rule on that. Ohio State's Ohio I, I State. They're gonna have solid. They're gonna be solid everywhere. I agree because I think look at this year. If you look at Michigan, what won them a national championship? Defense newsflash wasn't JJ McCarthy. Nope. It was Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum grinding out yards, and Donovan Edwards just every time the game was getting a little close, breaking off a forty yard touchdown run. And before somebody twists what you just said. You're not saying that they won the championship in spite of McCarthy. McCarthy no. was huge, but they did not win because of him. Yeah, he played a big part, but it was a collective effort. It wasn't a J.J. McCarthy show. If if you replace J.J. McCarthy with an average quarterback, Michigan's probably still going to win the championship, right? Mm-hmm. If you replace Blake Corum with an average running back, Michigan's in some trouble. Agreed. Um, so our next question here is, uh, we kind of touched on this before, it's from Todd G 96 Will Ohio State's t- uh, paid for a roster result in the Big Ten title, or it will be the end of Ryan Day this season? That depends a lot on what happens with Jim Harbaugh. I think Michigan's going to lose a lot. Um, I think Ohio State, this game's going to be at home this year, right? Yeah. Hmm. I would think Ohio State would win that. I don't think they'll lose to Michigan again. Um yeah, versus versus Michigan. Yeah, uh, I just think, I think this this is the big problem for them. They have a game at Oregon. How that's exactly what that? I was looking at. That's going to be a problem for them. But if if the Big Ten is as good as we can expect, maybe there's you know a couple one loss teams or even two loss teams that are really good. And this year you can get into the playoff with two losses. Yeah, yeah. This screams a loss to me though. This game at Oregon for them, I, I don't think they're gonna. I love Dan Lanning. I think he's definitely a better coach than Ryan Day. I mean, he's a little aggressive at times, but at least he stays true to his style, where Ryan Day is kind of just uh, a middle-of-the-pack coach to me. You've heard me preach for years now. <laughs> Timing is everything in college football, right? Mm-hmm. Look at the week before Oregon. Yeah, Iowa. That's a physical football game. They Ohio State, win or lose, they might win that game 50 to nothing. Ohio State is going to get the Crap beat out of them physically. It mm-hmm. might not result in the scoreboard. Ohio State's going to come out of that game hurting. And then you got to go to Oregon, who is also very physical, but on the other end, also like complete opposite strategy of what of what Iowa is going to do. Yeah. I think the timing of this game also makes it so dangerous for Ohio State. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think this is a tough schedule. But like you said, it all really depends on what Jim Harbaugh does next season. That That, that is... If he stay, if, if if he leaves, this game looks a lot more winnable for them at the end of the year. A hundred percent. Um. Okay, so uh, we'll take one, one or two more here. We'll say, uh, will the SEC and Big Ten both get two to three teams in the first playoff? I say yes. I think the said this competition is too strong. One and two team, uh, one and two lost teams are going to probably dominate the uh, the twelve team field. Yeah, I think Georgia's a lock next year, right? They got to mm-hmm. be. Um, if they win the conference, who's, who, you know, who follows with them? 
Alabama, maybe, probably not Alabama. I don't think because we just said they they could be a nine and three team. Mm-hmm. I think LSU is in a world of trouble next year. Um, Missouri, Missouri might make it. Don't sleep on them. Well, I, I would just say, I mean, look at this. Uh, so this is the end of this year's. If you were to go off this and say these are the twelve teams for next year's playoff, ten of these teams come from the Big Ten and SEC. Oh God, I forgot Texas is going to be there next year too. Texas and Oklahoma. So, so yeah, I mean, Oklahoma's not in here, but they're fifteen. Penn State is thirteen. So like, there's a lot of teams knocking on the door from these two conferences. Yeah, and talk about a make or break year. I think that's it next year for Oklahoma too, and Brent Venables. Ah, uh, yeah, they're they're toast. They're done. Get them out of here. Um, yeah, if if they come in and lay an egg in the SEC, that's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. Because boosters are not going to like that at all. They're going to the SEC to win championship games, not go seven and five. All right. So our, our last question here: well, We have two. You could pick which one we go with. Uh, we got from Brian Finch. What's the deepest position in this draft class? And then from Ryan, uh, from Ryan Hogan. What will Alabama's expectations for DeVore be too high? I think we kind of already touched on the whole. Will DeVore's expectations be too high? Okay. I think they're going to be very high. And like I said, the very first sign that this team is facing trouble, the Alabama fan base is going to collectively just lose their mind and say, what are we doing here? And they're going to, like I said, they're going to blow up Feinbaum's phone. And, you know, the dynasty has just begun, as a famous Feinbaum caller once said. Maybe this is the end of it. Yeah, Um so if we're gonna go, if we're gonna take the other question then deepest position. I think this could be it. I think this is a good quarterback year. I, I think Absolutely, that's where I was going. Also, uh, I would say it's a good quarterback year, but because you're gonna say that, I will go different. I will go <laughs> and say this: it is a great year to need a wide receiver. Great year, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, O'Duns, Troy Franklin, Lad McConkey, who I think is gonna be great, Keon Coleman, who's just gonna be uh, not very good. Adon Mitchell, I think this is a great year to need a receiver. Jalen Polk, Xavier Worthy. Uh, this is going to be a great receiving class, Roman Wilson. There's guys here that are going to be difference makers in the NFL, even all the way down here, such as guys like Malachi Corley. Yeah, the receiver. this is going to be a good receiver class, and that's going to help a lot of teams. Um, the quarterback class, I'm sticking with that, though. This I'm looking right now at some of these names in here. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, Michael Penix. J- they have J.J. McCarthy at 32, which I, I'm not convinced McCarthy's mm-hmm. going to be that great. But then you go down the list, and even lower, you got guys like Michael Pratt and Jordan Travis. Mm-hmm. I think you even have a guy like this who, you know, he's going to be a practice squad guy, definitely. He's not – he can't throw – he can't hit an accurate target, but he could put the ball seven yards in the air. Oh, man. Joe Milton is somebody that I want to see succeed so much. But one of the things I've said over the years is if a strong arm was the main component of a great quarterback, then Ryan Mallett would have been Tom Brady. You're right. It's great that you can throw it a thousand yards, but if you can't hit anybody in that time, like I tweeted out that I was so, I was so disappointed when Milton decided not to play against Iowa. So I was really looking forward to him overthrowing receivers by 30 yards instead of just 25. <laughs> and they'd all be picked because an Iowa guy would just somehow be there. Exactly. Yeah, like so, Joe Milton. Joe Milton is the embodiment of the "screw it, he's down there somewhere" meme. Yeah, he literally is. He just let me let me see if I can throw this football over the mountain. Just... 
Exactly. Now, if you want to take him in the fifth or sixth round to make a project quarterback out of him, mm-hmm. sure, why not? I can't see him going really that that high. You know, I, maybe he's a priority free agent. Mm-hmm. All right. So our, my last one I want to ask about before we wrap this up: What do you think happens with this guy? Uh, As Notre Dame fan, practice squad. Yeah, I don't. Maybe. Maybe he gets a start or two at some point in his career, but I nothing he's more. Mi- he, he's missing something, and I, I just can't put my finger on it. He's missing something. I, I think he's just mixing the 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 timely ability to make a big play when it's needed. I think he's just he's a fine quarterback, but that's all he is. He's just fine. He's not like anything to write home about. He's a good college quarterback. Yeah, which makes a great NFL practice squad guy. Yeah. <laughs> But I'll All tell right. you what, if if you want to find your Brock Purdy this year, mm-hmm. your late round guy that's going to take you far, may I propose to you Brennan Armstrong? Yeah. I, I would take a flyer on him late if I'm any of the 32 NFL teams. Yeah. So, when, uh, when, once, once you get to the seventh round, there really is no such thing as a bad pick because it's the seventh round. Mm-hmm. So even for a team like the Chiefs, you know, Worst case, he develops good and he becomes a solid backup. You trade him, you turn that seventh round pick now into a third rounder three years from now. Where's the harm in that? Yeah, so I, I don't blame you. I think that that could be a good pick for them. And I'm um, I'm not advocating for the Chiefs to draft a quarterback. By the way, no, I'm yeah, not. but just but like most oh. great quarterbacks, there is a seat. There is a season where Mahomes could miss a. Uh, few games and you need a guy who steadies your season along that'd be Brendan Armstrong yeah and and as a Bills fan trust me I'm more than advocating that I think the Chiefs should trade Patrick Mahomes there's no doubt you are saying that you're just saying the Bills should the the Chiefs should trade Patrick Mahomes send him somewhere (laughs) other than Kansas City send him to Arizona as a Bills fan send him there but no I mean they're they're set there they don't need a quarterback obviously yeah no you're definitely right all right so maybe we'll it's it's, uh, January 22nd at the time of this recording Maybe we'll try to come back in uh, two weeks again, maybe February 5th, and we'll record a new episode and see what's new. Sounds great. All right, Sonny. Have a great night. And uh, if, you're, if you're listening, you follow us on Twitter, at CFB Talk Daily and at Sonny Martinez FS. Thank you, guys. That was it.